0: Hey, my name's Adam, and I am the West Shore Campus Pastor here at Coastline Church on beautiful Vancouver Island. Welcome to our podcast. All the content that you will find here is meant to point you to Jesus and encourage you in your journey wherever it is that you find yourself. So thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoy the message. walking through a series called Acts, and uh, it has nothing to do with manicures or pedicures, but uh, we are walking through it together, and uh, that is exciting. Um, if you have your Bibles with you, you can turn to Acts chapter 6. I want to read some scripture for you. I'm going to tell you a story, read you the story of a man named Stephen. And in my opinion, I had a little mustache hair that was really <laughs> grossing me out. Uh, in my opinion, Stephen is one of those types of Christians. That is worth emulating. Uh, sometimes we try and emulate people, and we sell ourselves short. Stephen's the type of person where you're like, you know what? There's something about this guy, and if I could, if I could serve Jesus like Stephen served Jesus, I think I think there would be something profound going on in here. I think there would be something profound going on in my, in my family, uh, profound going on in my workplace. Like the, the type of faith that Stephen had was, was, was impressive. And so I want, I want to read this for, for you and read this with you. And we'll, we'll just look at this story together and then we'll tease out some pieces. But Acts chapter 6, verse 1 starts like this It says, But as the believers rapidly multiplied, church was growing, God was moving, things were happening. There was a rumbling of discontent. We can even stop right there as a little bit of a freebie. (laughs) Churches sometimes have some rumblings of discontent. (laughs) It happened in the Old Testament, happened in the New Testament, happened a couple years ago, happened hundreds of years ago, happens today. It's part of how we are, being humans, trying to figure out life, trying to reconcile our relationship with Jesus and the fact that we all are sinners at times. And so... It's something, there's something to be noted there. The church isn't perfect, but God works through that institution in powerful ways. The Greek-speaking believers complained about the Hebrew-speaking believers. Classic. Always somebody complaining about somebody. They were saying that their widows were being discriminated against in the daily distribution of food. So the 12 disciples, what they did, the 12 called a meeting of all the believers they said, we apostles should spend, one, spend our time teaching the word of God, not running a food program. And so the brothers selected seven men who were well-respected and are full of, full of the spirit and wisdom. We will give them this responsibility. When we apostles spend our, can spend our time in prayer and teaching the word. Everyone liked this idea. It was a great idea. and They chose the following. If you're a Bible underliner, this is what I want you to underline. First, they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and full of the Holy Spirit. They chose Philip, Procurus, Nicanor, really good at Nicky Nicky Nine Door. <laughs> just kidding, just rhymed, so I said it. Timon, that's Simon with a lisp. Timon, <laughs> Parmenas, and Nicholas of Antioch. An earlier convert of the Jewish faith. These seven were presented to the apostles who prayed for them as they laid their hands on them. So God's message continued to spread. The number of believers greatly increased in Jerusalem. And many of the Jewish priests were converted too. God was moving. And they selected from their people, from their congregation, they selected from the people who were with them, seven, seven leaders. And they went out and they picked them. And they came. And one of these guys is named Stephen verse 8. Stephen, not only was he a man full of faith in the Holy Spirit, but it says in verse 8, he was a man full of God's grace and a man full of power. He performed amazing miracles and signs amongst the people. But one day, some of the men in the synagogue of freed slaves, that's a cool church name, as it was called, started to debate with him. They were the Jews of Cyrene, Alexandria, Cilicia, and the province of Asia. None of them, none of them, not one of them could stand against the wisdom and the spirit with which Stephen spoke. So they were frustrated. They hated this message of Jesus. They hated this message of redemption. They hated this message of the Christian church. So they persuaded some men to lie about Stephen, saying, we heard him blaspheme Moses and even God. Then you skip down to verse chapter 7. It says, then the high priest asked Stephen. He says, Uh, Stephen, are these accusations true? And this is Stephen's reply. And Stephen, in front of everybody, starts to preach a banger of a message. And he starts to go through church history and he starts to highlight the different ways that God has proven himself time and time again throughout history. Then he gets to this crescendo-type moment in verse 51. And he looks at the people and he says, you stubborn people. You are a heathen at heart and deaf to the truth. Must you forever resist the Holy Spirit? That's what your ancestors did, and so do you. Verse 54. The Jewish leaders were infuriated by Stephen's accusation. They shook their fists at him in rage. Then but Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit... He, he, he gazed up steadily and looks to heaven. And he saw the glory of God. And he saw Jesus standing there in this place of honor at God's right hand. And then he told them, Look. Look. I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing in the place of honor at God's right hand. Then they put their hands over their ears. And they began shouting, and they rushed at him, and they dragged him out of the city, and they began to stone him. His accusers took accusers took off their coats, and they, they laid it at the feet of this young man named Saul. And as they stoned him, Stephen prayed, and these are the words he prayed. Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And then he fell to his knees, the Bible says shouting. Shouting as he was being stoned to death. People literally throwing rocks at him until he died. These were the words he shouted. Lord, don't charge them with this sin. And with that, he died. Let us pray. Lord, this is a It's a heavy word. Hard to believe that somebody could have that type of faith. The faith that is so convinced that, God, you are real, that, God, you are there, that, God, that you have a plan. So convinced that his his faith and his security is in you and you alone. So overwhelmed by love. God, that he can look at his own accusers and say, Father, forgive them. Not much unlike your words on the cross, when you said, too, Father, forgive them. So, God, this morning, I pray that, Holy Spirit, you'd speak to our hearts. God, that we'd be able to leave here different than the way that we came. Father, would you speak to us through the life of Stephen? In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. What does it mean to be full of God? See, we live in a world where people are full of all sorts of stuff, all sorts of stuff. But here we have this character in the Scriptures. Here we have this man who's so full of God, so full of Christ, so full of love, that that he, he literally responds differently than all of us could ever possibly imagine. There's something about his faith, something about the way he leads his life that, that, that has always led me to say, what is it about Stephen? I want that kind of Christianity. Because if I'm going to be totally honest with you and transparent this morning, I'm just so tired of just going to church. <laughs> I'm so tired of just doing Christiany things. I want to walk with the Lord. In everything that I do. I want to I lead my children in a way where they can say, wow, dad knows who Jesus is and, 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 and Jesus is real. I want to live the kind of life where I can go to work and the fact that I am a Christian is not something that I'm ashamed of, but it's something that, that, that fuels me, something that empowers me, something that I see as a blessing to the place where I'm working. I want to lead a kind of life where when I dream about my future and my my, my dreams, I'm not just thinking, how am I going to retire young and buy a boat and enjoy life and holiday? But I'm dreaming saying, God, how can you use me in this this finite, like just limited amount of time? How can you use me while I am here to, to show people how real you are in everything that I do? I want to. I want to be the kind of guy where like, when, when I go to church, I'm not just waiting for it to get done so that way I can get on to the next thing. But when I'm worshiping and singing in a song, I'm not just singing songs, but I'm worshiping to God. I want there to be a depth to my faith. I want there to be to be like something substantial, something something measurable, something that if someone were to see me, they didn't have to wait till I said, "Hey, I'm a Christian." for them to know that I'm a Christian. But what would it look like if we as a church lived the type of life where where our Christianity was not something that we hid, but it was something that we actually walked in. And we see that in Stephen. I find it curious, the the, the four things that the Bible highlights that Stephen was full of. The first one we're going to look at is found in Acts chapter 6, verse 5. It says, Stephen was a man that was full of faith. So if you have your Bibles, you're you're all looking at the screen. It's too dark in here to look at a Bible anyways, let's be honest. Hebrews chapter 11, verse six says these words. I've always been challenged by this verse. It says, it is impossible to please God without faith. Like many of us, you've been Christians for a long time and you know this. But when I read this for the first time, it, it jarred me. It rattled me a little bit because I thought there was lots of ways to please God. I thought I could please God by being a good dad. I thought I could please God by being a good husband. I could please God by going to church, doing Christiany things. That would please God. And those obviously are, are, are good things to do. Obviously. But it says this very fascinating line. Without faith... Oh, it's me. I can hear me out there. It's impossible to please God. (laughs) I was like, who's out there causing a commotion? Someone go deal with that. (laughs) It is impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. It's important that we get to this space where we realize that just coming to church is it how we please God? That's like baseline stuff. That's like me being married to Shandy and being like, well, if I just put my pants on and my shirt on in the morning, that's enough to please her in our, our wedding. Our marriage is going to be fervent and vibrant, <laughs> right? Like that's, that's a baseline stuff. It's, it goes deeper than that. For some of us, it's like we, we, we say, okay, I want to I please God, so I'm, I'm going to try and sign up for a team, maybe. I'm going to serve on a parking team or a muscle team. That team's awful. That's really how I show God that I love him. <laughs> Just kidding. It's one of the best teams, and I highly encourage you to join it. <laughs> but oftentimes we try to please God by doing certain things, and ironically, we put faith not on that list of things that we need to do to please God. Like, imagine I was in a room with four people, okay? And I had my spouse, and I had a friend, and I had a guest, and I had some stranger who just broke in. There was all four of them. If they were all just in this room, and you didn't know me, and you didn't know them, you would assume that I had an equal relationship to all of these four people, because we're all in the room together. One of them is my spouse. One of them is my friend. One of them is just somebody I invited over, and someone's trying to steal my DVD player. And you would have no idea which one of them is which, just by looking at them. We could all be standing in the same room, but de- depending on our commitment with these people, everything everything changes. Depending on our relationship with these people, everything changes. It is impossible to please God without faith. Closeness isn't the same as connection. Sometimes we we call ourselves Christian just because we're in proximity (laughs) to God. And if we were honest, like in our heart of hearts, we don't really, like like we have a faith. But we don't have a faith that God's going to provide for us when we really need him. (laughs) Like we have a faith but I'm not sure if we have a faith that God still heals people or that God still loves me when I make a mistake or that God can have a plan for my life even when I feel like a loser. Like, it's fascinating how the Bible puts this emphasis on this faith point. It's impossible to love God. It's possible, or shall I say, it's possible to please God without faith. So what, what are we doing To deepen our faith as Christians? What are we doing to to, to grow our faith as Christians? Or or, or maybe you're newer to this whole church thing. What are you doing to explore your faith? What, what, What do you believe? Do you believe that God is real? Do you believe that God has a plan? Do you believe that as we stand here and we lift our hands and we're singing and worshiping, do you believe that we're actually talking to someone? Maybe, maybe not. Ask yourself the deeper questions. Explore your faith. Wrestle with your faith. Grow in your faith. Because it's impossible to please God without faith. And when I look at Stephen, I want that kind of faith in my life. And I want you to have that kind of faith too. Number two. So in Acts chapter 6, verse 5, it says that one, Stephen was a man full of faith but it also says that Stephen was a man full of the Holy Spirit. I love, I love John chapter 14, verse 26. It says these words. But when the Father sends the advocate as my representative, this is, this is Jesus talking. So Jesus says, that when the Father sends the advocate as my representative, that is the Holy Spirit, he will teach you everything and remind you of everything that I have told you. In other words, Jesus is saying, you have no idea, Christian, how critically important it is for you to have the Holy Spirit in your life. Extraordinarily important. When 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 I think about my own personal faith, when I think about my own Christianity, I would say it's my relationship with the Holy Spirit that makes my Christianity come alive. The Holy Spirit is the, the person of God that I, that I interact with the most. The Holy Spirit functions as my teacher. Holy Spirit functions as my, my guide. When I'm trying to figure out what to do, I'm saying, God, God, would you please teach me what to do next? God, would you please teach me how to handle this situation with my children? God, would you please teach me how to, how to handle this conflict at work? God, would you please teach me how to not want to punch people in the face so much? <laughs> oh, that's just me, my bad. <laughs> would, you, would, would you guide me as I, as I try and figure out what it looks like to be a Christian? <laughs> Would you guide me through these scriptures and teach me how to apply these things to my life? Holy Spirit, when when I pray, would you, would you guide me in terms of, of, of the relationships that I have? The people that I connect with, the people that I talk to. Holy Spirit, would you would you heal the parts of my heart that have grown hard or broken? Holy Spirit, a healer. Would you, would, you, would you help me to see people the way you see people? Where I've been hurt or, 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 or damaged or, or impacted by other people or other things. Would, would you heal that in me? The Bible describes the Holy Spirit as counselor. Lord, would you, would you, would you give me counsel? Lord, when I'm praying, would you would you would you tell me what to do? Because I don't know how to respond. Holy Spirit's our advocate. Would you would you please defend me? Walk with me, protect me, guard my heart. See the Holy Spirit's role in your life is is it's critically important. It's the Holy Spirit who makes God so relatable. It's your relationship with the Holy Spirit that separates Christianity from being just a philosophy or just a a, a worldview. It's your interaction and your connection with the Holy Spirit that enables you to practically in real time walk out this faith in a way that makes sense. And so Stephen, he was a man full of, full of faith, but he was a man who was full of the Holy Spirit. And when I pray for you as our church, I'm praying that you would be a people who are full of faith and a people who are full of the Holy Spirit. Number three, it says in in, in verse eight that Stephen was also full of grace. And grace is an interesting thing because in my house, grace is the fastest prayer we could possibly pray because everybody wants to eat. <laughs> so, so it's like, God, thank you for this. <laughs> Amen. And uh, <coughs> it's, it's, it gets quick. But oftentimes we just lump prayer, I arbent mean, grace, into this quick food prayer. I got a cough real bad. There we go. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15. The high priest, God, this, this high priest of ours understands our weakness, the Bible says. For he faced all the same testings that we do, yet he did not sin. This Jesus that we worship, this Jesus who, who, who is God, this Jesus, he understands you better than you know you. He knows your insecurities. He knows your doubts, your fears. He he knows all the complexities that make you who you are. So it says in verse 16, so let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God because there we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. You see, grace slaps different when you've experienced it. It's one thing just to talk about grace, but when you've been the beneficiary of it, when when you've received it, grace changes who you are. I think of the story of the prodigal son. When, 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 When he comes home and this father comes running to him with arms open, welcoming him home, that's the kind of grace and love that changes a person so this prodigal son, he, he, he dramatically shifts everything about who he is. Because he didn't know that love was possible like that. He didn't know that grace could look like that. He didn't know that he could receive grace. Grace slaps different when you've experienced it. When we know what we've been forgiven of, it, what it does is it creates this framework for us then to be able to forgive others. And there's part of me that wonders sometimes if the reason we as Christians, we as the church, do a poor job of loving others. Sometimes I wonder if the reason we struggle to love is because we struggle to receive love ourselves. So we don't actually, we haven't learned how to pour that grace out. We didn't know it was possible But it is possible. This attribute alone is how the church stands out in our culture. We live in an eye for an eye age. We live in a, you backed into my car, I'm going to go back into yours age. But there's something about grace that changes a person. This is what sets the Christian apart. This Attribute reveals how much our heart has been transformed by God. So my prayer often, God, help me to be a man who is full of faith. Help me to be a man who is full of the Holy Spirit. Help me to be a man who is full of grace. Because it's the grace piece that enables me to, 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 it's the conduit through which these things flow out. Because if I'm not a man of grace, I'm just going to hold it all in there for myself. If I haven't learned how to to love others, what am I even doing? I'm just wasting time. Stephen models this. The fourth one. He's full of power. Acts chapter 1 verse 8. We talked about this as we kicked off the series. The last thing Jesus said to his disciples before he had ascended into heaven. He says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you'll be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere. In Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth. In the West Shore, Vancouver Island, British Columbia, all over the world. Like You'll be my witnesses. You'll be my, my rescue strategy. You're, you're going to be my plan. You're, you're, you're my tactic. This is, this, is, this is how the Christian church will change society. This is how the, the Christian church will make the world a better place. This is how the Christian church will restore, restore the world to what it was originally meant to look like. It's, it's through you. I don't know why God chose to do it that way. Part of me, I wouldn't have that much trust in humanity <laughs> But God chose to use broken people to reach broken people. Some of you, you've been sitting in your brokenness and just own that as a piece of your identity. You know, well, I'm broken. I can, never, I can never do anything. This is where the grace piece comes in. This is where the faith that God can do anything comes in. This is where the Holy Spirit who will counsel you and show you how to live your life comes in. And this is where the power to live out your life as a new creation comes in. Stephen was known as a man of miracles, a man who who walked with God, a man who was led by God, a man who who witnessed in powerful ways. He was full of the power of the Holy Spirit and he walked in it. You want to know something awkward (laughs) It's possible to be full of power, but still live like you're a wimp. Not that my daughter's a wimp, but when it comes to spiders, Shandy and Bronwyn are wimps. I'm calling you out. You are a wimp when it comes to spiders, Shandy. Get a cat. (laughs) So here I am, it's kitchen time, making supper the other day, and I hear this shriek from the bathroom. Ah! Like, the kind that makes you just, like, tense up immediately. And Brahman comes running in. And I'm thinking, what's happened? Is someone breaking into our house? Is there a monster in there? Some For some reason, there's a giant mama bear inside of our house. No. There's this tiny little spider. Like, like so small. I didn't even see it. She's like, it's a huge spider. It's on the wall. And I get in there. And I'm looking. I'm like... There is literally nothing on the wall. It's so, like, no, no, it's right there. Like, oh, that little speck that I thought was like the tip of a nail. Like, that, that is a spider. Okay, okay. I looked at the spider. I remember thinking to myself, like, Bronwyn, like, you are literally 10,000 times its size. <laughs> you are bigger than the spider power inside of you is infinitely greater than the power that this tiny speck of a spider possesses. But no rational amount of explanation would convince her otherwise. As far as she was concerned, this spider could shoot lasers out of its eyes and eat her soul. But this tiny little spider was actually so, so small. It couldn't do anything. And I wonder sometimes if some of us in the room, maybe we have these illogical fears, and God is stepping back, looking at us, thinking the same way. <laughs> He's saying, Whoa, Christian, whoa. <laughs> the power inside of you is literally 10,000 times bigger than the power inside of whatever it is that you're afraid of. The power inside of you is infinitely greater than you could ever possibly imagine. And it's not that we don't have the power. It's that we don't put the power into action. It's not that God doesn't heal people anymore that we don't pray anymore. It's not that God doesn't restore marriages or relationships or broken dreams or whatever it is. It's that oftentimes we're too afraid to pray because we think the power in that situation is infinitely greater than the power that is inside of us. That power is God. close by reading a a verse in Ephesians chapter 3. The Apostle Paul wrote these words. And this this blessing that he writes is it's so powerful when you consider the fact that on that day when Stephen was getting stoned and people were laying their coats at the feet of this man's feet then they would go out and chuck the rocks. The person that they were looking to for approval in this was Paul. And later Paul gives his life to Jesus, radically transforms who he is. And I can guarantee you he would have remembered that moment with Stephen. And these are the words he writes. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 19. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to fully understand. As Paul's sitting there thinking, I don't know why God can love me when I saw this happen. I don't know why God can love me when I saw a Christian with such powerful, deep, compelling faith. Die right before my eyes. May you experience the love of Christ though it is too great to understand. I'll never fully understand it. Because then you'll be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. If you want to feel complete And if you want to experience the fullness of what this life has to offer, there's no other way to experience that other than through the love of Christ. If you need to grow in your faith, if you need to grow in your relationship with the Holy Spirit, if you need to grow in grace, if you need to grow in power, the pathway is Jesus. I ask you to stand with me. I want to pray with you. And as I pray with you, the band's going to come and we're going to close with a song. But it is possible to leave here different than the way that you came. It is possible that when God was writing today, in his book of life that he thought to himself you know who I want to be in attendance at Coastline West Shore today? You. You could be anywhere. You find yourself here. For the dads who are in this room today is a great draw a line in the sand type moment where we can leave here and say God God if you're as real as he says you are. I want you to show me that in my life. I want to be able to lead my children like that, like Stephen. In fact, this isn't just for dads, this call. This is for all of us in this room. What would it look like for us to have this type of faith? Maybe you're going through a difficult time, as Emily said in the beginning. These are the moments where we come to Jesus. So let me pray for us, and then we'll sing. Jesus, all across this room, we just stand here in silence, the stillness of this moment. We've heard your word preached. We've spent some time in praise and worship. but now, Holy Spirit, we invite you into this moment. That we'd be able to leave here different than the way that we came in. God, that there'd be something that was said today that would that would take root inside of our heart. God, you've got a plan and a purpose for each person in this room. God, what you are doing is powerful, divine, sweet, and specific. God, you are real and you are here. So, God, I pray for each person. I pray that they'd be able to leave here encouraged. Leave here knowing that Holy Spirit, you are with us and you are with them. For those who are here today who don't have a relationship with you, after the service, friend, I invite you to come forward and hang out with us at this Next Steps booth. I'd love to talk to you about Jesus. But Jesus, all across this room, we just pray that Holy Spirit, you would go with us, that you would lead us, that you would guide us, that you would direct us, that you would help us to be the people that you're calling us to be. 'Cause Lord, you're real. So shine in our lives. We run to you, Lord. In your name we pray.